Hey there, everyone. Good Wednesday evening, 7.05 Central Standard Time. I'm meteorologist Noah Berger and joined alongside my co-host and the one, the only meteorologist, Jennifer Rukavina. Rukavina! On what is a very interesting week of weather and time of weather here in the local six area and across, I'd say, a good chunk of the eastern United States. We wanted to start you off each week with a quick uh, delve into what's going on, and I tell you, there's going to be more snow and cold, maybe not necessarily snow here, but if you have family or friends up in the Northeast, you know most of them are probably not too happy on this election day. There was rain, there was snow, and a lot of that rain and snow actually impacted people getting out to the polls. They did, but I noticed there were still a lot of long lines, people with umbrellas doing anything they could to just make sure they were able to vote, and so it was good to see that. Mm. But uh, luckily, no bad weather, terrible weather here for Election Day. It was beautiful. I say it was a perfect day here. I happened to be traveling back from home, so I wasn't, I wasn't able to sit and enjoy. But nonetheless, it was a beautiful day to fly back to Nashville and drive back to Paducah last night. But here on the first inaugural episode of Beyond the Green Screen, Beyond the Chroma, we'll be talking about weather, climate, weather issues, policy, climate change. The whole nine yards, you name it, we'll be touching upon it over the next few episodes and through the rest of our show and podcast here. So we thank all of you for tuning in and um, going to be listening about this over the next couple of episodes. But tonight's episode, we're going to start you off with uh, what is going to be severe weather, uh, particularly uh, it's going to be nocturnal tornadoes and more specifically also we'll touch upon early season snow surprises because November Gen can be a very interesting month to say the least. It can be and uh, especially when you start looking at the signal of a weak El Nino developing and how that may impact the eastern U.S. as we head through uh, the next couple of months with us on El Nino watch. Uh, there's a good chance Noah predicts about 70-75% chance we're going to uh, develop into an El Nino episode by winter. And by winter, we mean meteorological winter includes December, January, and February. So there's a really good chance we're going to see at least a weak El Nino develop by then. And that really does impact us uh, across the U.S. differently. A lot of times it can bring in a mild start to winter. So December can sometimes be uh, a little bit warmer, but it also brings a ton of moisture across the southern tier states of the U.S. and so that's something that we always watch. If that jet stream gets a little kinky, gets a little uh, wavy and decides to dip southward and tap into that moisture, that can set the stage for some big-time snows. Uh, maybe not multiple snowstorms, but definitely could get uh, one or two snow events here in the local six area. I know you're excited for our first chance possibly going into the start of next week and even yes. going into the weekend we could see some flurries our first flakes is what I like to call them so yeah so the first time you this the first time as being a meteorologist broadcast meteorologist where you put the snow icon in Ooh. the seven days uh, let's just say that's a fun time being an hour roll because you get everybody who ah it's gonna snow you know <laughs> we're gonna get the shovels all right and... well first of all Noah's new to the local six area <laughs> this is his first winter so he's gonna yes. get a taste of just how much it impacts lifestyle and how even a half an inch or an inch of snow can literally paralyze some of our roads because of the limited resources many places in the south including us have to respond to snow and that's simply because we don't have big snow seasons like you do up north i grew yes. up near lake erie i know what it's like to have several inches of snow all the time 
no big deal. Mm-hmm. Down here, it's a little more difficult and um, utilizing those resources also comes at a cost. When you put down a lot of salt and brine, that yes. comes at a cost. And so uh, that's something that you know doesn't just impact those of us that forecast or have to drudge around in the cold and maybe a little bit of snow, but also transportation-wise uh, can have a big impact uh, on the economy. Yeah, we actually do average uh, about a tenth of an inch of snow in the Paducah area, believe it or not, over the past 120-so years of climatology here in the local 6 area, but a little bit more across southern Illinois and southeast Missouri where they might have, there's been years where they've had a couple of inches of snow in the month of November, but as you'll see in the, uh, if you click on our YouTube after listening to us, uh, we put in there in the description a snowy and stormy November, which yields many surprises. Well, the other side of this coin is tornadoes, which across the whole country can be an interesting artifact for sure. But more specifically, honing in on our area, October into November, there is actually a spike in tornado frequency here in the Paducah area. Take a look at this graphic here. If you're watching us on YouTube, you'll see. If you're not, I'll go touch upon it so you can uh, be up to speed. You see that October averages or has had 32 tornadoes by month, and that is from the years of 1996 to 2011, which is up almost triple from the month of September. So kind of a secondary peak there after the obvious beginning of our season, which is April and May. September, October, we get kind of a will you say secondary severe season which and also the big problem with this is these tornadoes October and November are oftentimes nocturnal tornadoes and believe it or not if you didn't know Kentucky and Tennessee are actually two of the highest uh, uh, probabilities and percentages in the entire United States for getting nighttime tornadoes yeah just let that sink in really interesting uh, tidbit there for you that parts of western Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, and also even southeast Missouri and Illinois, the statistic is 42% of all tornadoes in the past about 75 years have been nighttime tornadoes, and 46, get this, Jen, 46% of all tornadoes from 1950 to 2005 have been nighttime tornadoes in the state of Tennessee alone. So in the local six area, a lot of people might not realize that we get the highest percentage of nighttime tornadoes in the whole country. That's true. And, you know, we are part of what's known as Dixie Alley. A lot of people identify Tornado Alley as the Central Plains, and that's very well true. And a lot of that is associated with springtime thunderstorms, <clears throat> get into early summer. But Dixie Alley is known for that fall severe weather season. And that's because you've got that cold air dropping further and further south. You get the jet stream interacting with the Gulf moisture and it can lead to a violent setup, not only in the spring, but also in the fall months because we've fallen back an hour. So we're losing an hour of daylight mm. in the evening hours. And sometimes those systems are not driven by daytime heating, they're yep. driven by forcing. And that jet stream has a lot to do with that. You get these big time fronts that are dipping southward and so you're getting a turning of winds from the surface all the way up to the jet stream level. And that alone can produce outbreaks of severe weather. And yeah, like you said, with the hour going back, the time change going backwards, there can be uh, maybe not a lack of awareness, but it definitely can catch people by surprise and off guard when you know the sun sets early before the five o'clock hour. Once we get to the end of November, and a lot of these systems, the dynamics for them are actually better at night 
now part of this becomes of, uh, just happens due to coincidence, but some of the dynamics for this setup actually are better at night than they are during the day. The wind shear that develops as these systems come across the uh, lower Midwest and the Mid-South where we are here in Western Kentucky, a lot of times in November, uh, we get what's called low cape high shear events, which is cape being <coughs> convective available potential energy. Now, if you're not a meteorologist or one of our meteorologist friends, and you're probably asking, what on earth is that? Well, that's just a fancy name for the ability for the air to rise. That's a number that we give in science. There's an actual calculated formula for it. Uh, there's a lot of indices and stuff and whatnot in meteorology where it's unitless in bunch of hogwash numbers where you know there's there's not a, it's not an equation behind it it's more of a scale of impact well cape is an actual calculated number and we can measure it in terms of what's called joules per kilogram and it's an energy metric and a lot of times in november that's very low it's below 200 maybe even lower than 100 but we get a lot of turning of winds within the lowest 1000 feet of the atmosphere lowest few thousand feet of the atmosphere is you have a southerly flow out of the gulf of mexico and a northerly to westerly flow out of the north and west bringing in the cooler drier air and the two clash right over our area and you get low cape which is low energy severe weather with high sheared events and a lot of time the temperatures for this gen i mean the temperature on this past weekend on what was it monday night here in mm -hmm. the paducah area in northwest tennessee the temperatures were only in the upper 40s and 50s and yet there was a confirmed tornado in northwest tennessee yeah absolutely and you know, a lot of times, too, it, it, if these systems pair up with the actual much warmer air, uh, the outcome can be even more devastating. Hmm. Um, there are times that we get into November, December, and temperatures rise into the 70s very easily out ahead of some of these big systems. <clears throat> and that's where if you do pair up instability and the forcing together, it's just, it's like dynamite. It goes off and it just, it's a domino effect then. Hmm. Um, Something is, we get into, you talked about the darker hours, and of course we fall back one hour. The big thing about that is you can't see it coming. People naturally, what they do is they hear a warning and they want to see it to confirm it for right. themselves. A lot of people go to their window and look outside. I mean, as weather nerds, we've probably done that too. But you get to a sense of, when you get to November and the, the, those events that happen post sunset into the overnight hours, you can't see it coming. You have to rely on the fact that you've put together a severe weather safety plan, you put that into motion, trust what the warning is telling you with the weather service, what your favorite media outlet is telling you to get to a safe place and just let the storm pass. I mean, more often than not, nothing's gonna happen. But there are plenty of times where we've seen over and over again, and unfortunately, like they saw in Nashville, Murfreesboro this weekend, or this past Monday, when someone lost their life, that was a well-built home. It's a really well-built home, and someone lost their life because tornado destroyed that house and um, you know we've seen it in the cold season November is not the only cold season month that we see tornadoes the local six area um, every single month of winter and the cold season fall winter into early spring can have tornadoes we've had some of our most devastating tornadoes in February too the end of February leap day brought in the Harrisburg tornado and that was one day before meteorological spring and I was in the F4 that struck it just before five o'clock in the morning. And imagine going to bed knowing that there's a chance of storms right. and maybe in that area was not in a moderate risk. It wasn't in any, it was just along the slight risk. So it was right at the border. It wasn't like alarming to anyone. Mm. 
as the tornado is coming into town, power is shut off, the sirens cut off. Yep. What do you do? You have to have that's a right. weather radio. You have to have alerts. Yes. And so um, that's just you know that's the scary part of living in the South, and the scary part of a second severe weather season is most of the deaths that come in the local six area happen during the nighttime hours. Almost a good majority of them happen during the nighttime hours. Five years ago, uh, you and I were talking about this, obviously, before we got on the air here for our podcast, but like you just said there, uh, it happens a lot more, it catches people off guard in the nighttime, but five years ago, next week, was the anniver- is going to be the anniversary of the Brookport, Illinois tornado, tornado which mm-hmm. unfortunately killed somebody who was out trying to observing see observing the storm and <clears throat> very sadly did not make it back inside so that is just proof and example right there that i feel like it's almost heightened with these nighttime setups now you said earlier uh, i wanted to pose a question to you and anybody watching that i don't know if it feels that people because the temperatures are lower you know it's november 10th or november 20th it's only in the 50s and people they wake up in the morning and they maybe if they watch the news or catch up onto it online on their phone and then they see oh it's only gonna be 55 today you know it's not gonna be it's not gonna be really bad severe right. weather you know you it's it a needs, false sense of there's security. this stigma that it yeah. has to be 90 degrees sweltering humidity full wall to wall sunshine and the fact of it is that's just not the case in the mid south now in other parts of the country that is the case yes. because where I'm from in New England you can't really get a tornado at 50 degrees at the ground because the dynamics are just not there to support or make up for it but here in the mid-south I in mean, the Dixie Alley yeah I mean certainly. that's what makes it Dixie Alley so do you think people are less <clears throat> aware of it or maybe get caught off guard more so because of the underlying condition you know it's November it's it, the average high is only 50 sometimes know. yes I think that um, a lot of its circumstance I think enough people are aware when severe weather is going to possibly take place um, you're always going to have that section of the population that's not going to put their plan in action that just it's not going to happen here or Mm -hmm. if i'm going to go i'm going to go we've heard that i heard that at the national weather service conference this weekend there are just people that think this is my time this is my time and they don't really put much effort into a severe weather safety plan Um, you were talking about um, the brookport tornado and that sort of gave me an offshoot to something else. While it was a November tornado, that one was specifically in the afternoon, early afternoon. And the thing that make, made that unique and what's unique about the Mid-South too, and the Deep South, is that all tornadoes, almost all of them, a good percentage of them are rain-wrapped. You're not gonna see them coming either way. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> that's what happened, unfortunately, with the lady that lost her life. It was rain-wrapped, she didn't see it coming. Yep. But she wanted to confirm for herself that some tornado hides it and you cannot see it coming until it's literally too late. Um, that event we were talking about, we were watching some of the video, the coverage, you could barely see it mm. from the sky perspective. Like you could see yeah. the shroud of rain and what was probably where the tornado was, but you couldn't see well-defined tornado in that. And it's, it's really unfortunate when you consider the fact that in this day and age, even a few years ago, with Brookport, you know, we've got the internet, we've got social media, we've got all these ways to get people the information, but this this touches upon another debate, which I'm sure we'll have on another episode of our podcast, which is, you know, how, how do you communicate this threat to people if they're truly just going to do their own thing, they're not really going to, they're 
when they why should they take cover if they don't see the tornado? You know, they see a tornado warning on the TV, they're going to look outside and say, "Oh, I don't see it. Everything's fine." And I think it's circumstance. I think it takes you know more people to seem to react when severe weather season gets underway, and you've had a couple of events, and it's more high profile. It's in the back of people's minds. Um, unfortunately, something devastating sometimes motivates people to action, mm. and hopefully. You know, moving into November and the possibility of maybe more events. So on the horizon, it doesn't seem like we're going to see much in the way of severe weather in the near term. But seeing what happened in Nashville overnight, hopefully that will motivate people to mm. to really think about that the next time. Um, wanted to make a note too, as we move probably into winter weather here. Um, yesterday was the anniversary of the Evansville tornado, where uh, 25 people were killed overnight in a November tornado that struck a mobile home park, and that happened at two o'clock in the morning. One thing it did was help us show the public and show viewers that tornadoes do in fact cross rivers. That is a big myth around here that tornadoes and storms don't cross the rivers or it helps break them up. That tornado crossed the river three times, the Ohio River, before it hit Evansville. And um, same thing, a lot of those that were killed were in a mobile home park, and after that came um, new laws for Indiana for mobile homes to have weather radios. And so there was some good that came out of that, but of course that was that was devastating for that area. It also hit a horse park up there near the interstate, and um, so that was yesterday. We're coming up on the anniversary of the Marshall County tornado <clears throat> that happened in 2005. That was an EF3 that hit the Moors landing area as well as Big Bear Highway, big camping area, uh, recreational area mm -hmm. for the lakes area there. And then on that day also, um, there was another tornado over towards the Erlington area. So we have had plenty of <clears throat> active weather in November. Um, one thing that's good is we're starting to see the, the signal for the onset of the cold season mm -hmm. and winter coming full blast, especially starting this weekend. And yeah, like you said, um, definitely some unfortunate, sad news with the tornadoes that have unfortunately killed people during the month of November alone. But before we click off the graphic there, in case you just clicked on or missed it earlier in the podcast, 32 tornadoes by month during the month of October and also similar in the 20s during the month of November, which is often regarded as the secondary tornado season here in the local six area. Now switching gears a little bit. If you watched us on this night, you know what Jennifer was talking about, changes in store in the forecast which will be arriving for Friday in the form of some cold and, dare I swear on the air, dare I uh, say it, snow which... That is swearing on the air, by the way, <laughs> when you say snow around here. I know, especially in this area, that's, uh, people take that serious, more seriously than where I'm originally from. But anyway, before then, the earliest recorded snow was October 29th. So, we're a good couple of weeks past that, but nonetheless, it's tis the season, as uh, to put it plainly and oh, with a little bit of a pun there. But Evansville, in, uh, Indiana, you can see it's uh, December 7th, the average first measurable snow from the Weather Service. And actually, the snowiest November in Paducah, take a look at that, four inches in 1958. But I don't think we're going to get near that this month, maybe. Hopefully mm. not. We'll see. I mean, we're talking about... <clears throat> temperatures this weekend and it, it anyone listening that lives in this area knows that um, it is an extreme change we hardly have any transition from summer to winter 
it is an abrupt change and that abrupt change comes uh, screaming in here this weekend with temperatures running 15, 20, 25 degrees below average. You can see there, that's the outlook for the start <clears throat> of next week. This weekend, overnight lows in the upper 20s and highs in the 40s, closer to 60 degrees for a high temperature this time of the year. And uh, this is nowhere near normal as we get into the middle of November. So it's gonna be a big change headed into the beginning of next week then. We'll initially get a, a blast of cooler air the next two days. That front comes through. Then we get another reinforcing shot of cooler air from the north as you've um, drawn on there, kind of a Arctic outbreak, if you will, a little lobe of the uh, polar vortex trying to swing further to the south. We're gonna tap into a little bit of that cold air um, Boy, can you imagine being in the Great Lakes? Ugh, I'd rather uh, too soon. I'd rather not. <laughs> but yeah, I think they're a little, they're probably more apt for that up there. But sure. yeah, no, November is uh, <clears throat> November is an interesting month uh, to to wrap this all back into an eggshell here, wrap this all up here, um, tie it all together. I mean, where November we can have tornadoes and you can have snow, even in the same week, and it's happened before. I mean, that I'm happened sure in Brookport. Let me tell you that. Brookport, yes. Brookport happened a week later in debris there was snow covering it people were trying to try and clean up as much as they could before it snowed and turned cold because exactly. it was so warm before that happened yeah so I, I think there's that really says it all that you can get snow and then within a few days you get tornadoes and unfortunately it doesn't look like there's going to be much more in the way of heat in our mm. area now November does not I don't think we've ever had an 80 degree day in November I think we've been in the 70s I was looking earlier so uh, there is some hope at the end of the tunnel that after this cold outbreak next week, we may warm things back up for the end of November. But I tell you, a transition from summer to fall to winter, not really existent this year. You probably remember the Octoster we coined during October. You coined, yeah. Or I <laughs> not so famously coined. And now we just went to uh, November, pun intended. I don't think anybody's going to There's laugh no at that. There's no November. Is that No, November. November. Oh, I see. You mean Got here. it. For those of you listening to hear that. <laughs> they didn't hear my eyes roll just now. <laughs> well, for, trust me, if every, all of you watching Jennifer just rolled her eyes at my very funny joke, but got to incorporate some humor in terms of the weather. But what would you say is the uh, best part of November weather, in your opinion? Do you have a favorite part of November weather? Uh, right now, it's really enjoying the fall color. I mean, we're peak mm. color right now, if we want to talk about that for two seconds. Uh, best color we've had in years and I don't know if that's because we had warm 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 and then a sudden frost mm. and freeze um, for some areas and then it warmed back up a little bit um, I think the longer we held off that color before we actually had a frost and kind of snapped those trees into season um, the color is spectacular right now and if we can just hold on to those leaves through the next wave of rain tomorrow night into Friday Saturday and Sunday will be beautiful viewing but it's gonna be cold <laughs> very right. cold very cold and much below average too you see there 10 if you're watching 10 to as much as 25 degrees below average and the area that's gonna be coming to the local 6 area this weekend and early next week is gonna be coming. no such thing <laughs> Saskatchewan <laughs> Canada try to try to think about that one there's actually such a storm system called Saskatchewan uh, can't even say it Saskatchewan Screamer. Did You're you know putting that? a K at the beginning. Saskatchewan. Is this Saskatchewan? No. How do you say it? Saskatchewan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see. Saskatchewan. All right. 
You know what I mean. Or actually, no, you don't. But Jennifer knows what I mean. But there's actually a storm system called a Sasechuan. I'm just... Sasechuan screaming. <laughs> We're going to look up what you actually said yes. and see if that's a word. Because it didn't sound like a good word to say. I, I talking, is, talking is not my strong suit. I only work on uh, orcas on TV. meteorologists, yeah. but on TV. But. That's like the Alberta Clipper. There's you know different yes. storm systems that originate in those areas like Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't talk about Saskatchewan much on the air, but yeah, the air is going to be coming straight from the, uh, the cold boroughs of western Canada. So definitely And a nor'easter headed up yeah. the, north, the uh, New England states for the beginning of next week. Is that... I think we had sort of a touch on one already, but mm. this one a little more aggressive, maybe. So this Tapping into much more cold air. Oh, yeah, totally. Definitely will be much more aggressive. And I think the you could even get their first snowstorm as far south as Pittsburgh or State College, Altoona, Pennsylvania, maybe Ooh. even to... A little lake effect maybe getting in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, all those people out there. Northwesterly flow. It is the time. It is the time. They'll get some lake effect Friday night, mm. probably, as that first system kicks out. Maybe do some early season skiing. Yeah. Something of what they're chestnut and some of the uh, can't do <laughs> much of around here. But anyway, <laughs> over the next couple of days, we'll have some updates on WPSD Local Six uh, about the climatology of November, and also I might do a story on a little bit more detail and look back on the anniversary of the Brookport tornado, which is going to be five years ago already next week here in Illinois. So interesting, but also sad tidbit there, but. I think this will about wrap up our first ever in, inaugural episode of yes. Beyond the Green Screen. And unlike the Titanic, this podcast did make it through the first first ever voyage of its <laughs> endeavor <laughs> endeavor on the World Wide Web. And we look forward to bringing you many more of these. And uh, as the weather and uh, discussion points permit, we may start doing them uh, weekly as we head into the winter months. But for right now... Uh, think our next podcast episode will look to be two weeks from today which if i could do math tells me somewhere about november 21st, 21st there you go <laughs> at seven o'clock central and uh, we want to hear from you too i mean yes. we want to know you know if there's Comments, something specific you want to talk about we want to hear about it and uh we want to talk about it and we'll be bringing in guests from across the country um wide range of topics this is meant to discuss what's happening now mm. what's happening in the future lifestyle weather enterprise climate you name it it's all on the table so uh we want to you know we certainly enjoy talking about the weather we love talking about it with you and uh you're an important part of our storytelling too so let us know what you want to hear about oh no doubt and just at the blink of an eye it's already been half an hour i feel like we could talk about this for another three hours but anyway i think that'll about do it for our first episode uh I'll do the formal sign-off here to make it official. I'm a meteorologist in Bergen and Jen? Jennifer Rukavina. If you, in case you didn't see it, which I don't think you did, she just did a very nice a salute, salute behind the microphone or <laughs> behind the green screen. But anyway, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We hope you had a good week and nocturnal November, nocturnal tornadoes in November, definitely an interesting topic, and we're going to be having an interesting couple of days here in the Local 6 area.